Welcome to uh, Technically Healthy. I'm Tobias Alpston and I am the CEO and founder of iPlato and we are the creators of uh, MyGP. Uh, today I have a super guest, Stephen Burke from um, Echo, where you uh, were the co-founder. So hello, Stephen. Hi, thanks for having me. That's <laughs> great to have you. So how are you today? I'm not too bad. It's um, a gray day here in South London, but yeah. the Christmas tree lights are on and there's a festive cheer in the air. So uh, it's, it's all looking good. You've got a vaccine waiting for you somewhere. <laughs> or hopefully a vaccine contract. Um, <laughs> but uh, yes, we're, we're, making the mo we're making the most of Christmas at lockdown. My daughter is, this will be her... Uh, uh first christmas Aww. being cognizant i guess so we're making a big deal of it unfortunately we can't go and see santa or sit on his lap so lots of virtual santa shenanigans going on you have to have a santa in your bubble <laughs> <laughs> well, he's, he's, a little, he's a little bit busy this time of year but uh, we may be able to uh, get a friend to to dress <laughs> up and bring some of the magic so here on this podcast, we, we, we like health tech, we love entrepreneurs, and you are both. So oh, you I are this was about perfect. Santa Claus. <laughs> yeah. You totally misled me on this. I thought we were going to spend an hour. Uh, okay, fine. <laughs> was yeah. the, it was the only way to get you in. <laughs> no, so, uh, well, I would love to know uh, the logistics of the North Pole and how we could hire Santa's uh, team to come in and help us with the warehouse. Yeah. I'm sure they have a few, uh, that, a few innovations have, that would put Amazon to shame. They must have experience. That's true. Huh. Oh, well, that's a good idea. Huh. Let's do that. So for, for those, those people who were uh, listening to this podcast, for some reason, it could be that they've been closed away for years, don't know about Echo. You want to give the 20-second... Uh, Sure. Echo is a pharmacy. We were founded in 2015. Um, and today we are growing very, very fast. Um, we are founded by myself and my co-founder, both lifelong patients. So we have tried to build a pharmacy experience from a patient's ex patient perspective from the ground up. And yeah, we're big on medicines adherence, we're big on patient choice, uh, and we're big on bringing technology to a sector that isn't synonymous with, with, with uh, tech. How old is the business? We're five years old. Five years. Five years. Only five? That's just crazy. Five years old. So we were incorporated in the summer of 2015, um, and so we had our fifth birthday this year. Um, wasn't what wasn't wasn't a massive celebration given it was on Skype, but um, <laughs> this year has been has been the big year for us. So we've grown <laughs> about four hundred percent, I think, oh. in terms of patient numbers. Well, and <laughs> yeah, it's just been sorry. quite a crazy <laughs> time trying to keep up and help as many patients as possible. So for those who don't know, Echo uh, delivers medicines to people's homes for free. Uh, yeah. We also have reminders that tell you when to take your medicine and when you're going to run out. So 
driving medicine's adherence because half of all medicine isn't taken as directed. So our mission is to simplify pharmacy and help people stay well. During COVID, I think we have really gone from a should have to a must have service with um, tens and thousands of patients looking to self-isolate and looking for a way to get their NHS medicine. So this has been really the the year where it all kind of Makes came sense. through all of our all of our hard work came to pass and it's it's been very very exciting and a little bit scary at times uh yeah. a little bit stressful at times i can't lie but uh, very very fulfilling trying to help as many people as possible i think that was a little bit longer than 20 seconds but there you go yeah i mean for full disclosure i suppose when uh, i i i plato my gp in particular are uh, echo partners so we collaborate and we try to offer uh, Echo's great service to the patients who use MyGP as well. So even before the pandemic and before 2020, apparently people bought stuff online. <laughs> but few people order their meds for home delivery in the same way as, as you know, you would order books. So yeah. what, what did you, do you think that the pandemic pushed it to another level that now we can't go to to the high street and therefore we will we have no choice but asking the postman to show up with our medicines or was it always going to happen and this um, what is what do you think has changed I think lockdown has had a significant impact on patient behavior we see that in pharmacy. We see it in general practice. I'm sure you have seen it too. Um, so it has accelerated digital adoption. I think what's really interesting for us is the amount of patients over 60. So pre-lockdown, it was roughly 10, 15% of our base. Now it's upwards of 30%. Um, so we see a much older demographic using Echo. So it happened all very, very fast. In fact, I can tell you the day um, that all hell broke loose. That was the 16th of March. Um, <laughs> and very, very suddenly, very violently, all of our existing patients ordered prescriptions. And we have thousands of new patients sign up to the platform. So we had to deploy some demand management strategies for that because we are a NHS clinical service. Um, so I think in a lot of other industries, they would have loved the... The, the boom but for us we have a duty of care to our existing patients and to make sure that we can get them their meds did you have to say no to patients who wanted to join so we can't we can't say no but uh, we had to uh, manage patients coming into the website let them know that we would get round to them uh in, ensure, ensuring that we could make we could get medicines to our existing patients uh and there was all sorts of other things going on in the supply chain so across the country patients ordering medicines early in fear of what would happen next. So we have grown uh, in response to that. So we have a new spoke site, which gives us lots more capacity and room to operate safely, which is critical as well. In a busy warehouse, you need to maintain social distancing. And that's hard to do if you are um, in a smaller space. But, and, and here's the like real kicker for me, Online pharmacy across the board has, has, has grown, but we're still really a rounding error when you look at national statistics. So there are approximately 40 million 
patients in England who are nominated to a pharmacy, I think the mm. market share of ourselves and our competitors in the online pharmacy space is something like 2.5, 2.6%. And that is after lockdown and COVID. So we really are in the early stages of growth. And I, as, as, as much as it's been great and you know, it's, it's been hard work keeping up with the demand, I do wonder to myself where everyone else is <laughs> um, and what is stopping the rest of the population from using a free service. And I think there's lots of different barriers there. One of the, raise, one of the, the, the things that we're doing to address that is with Echo, you can now choose to collect your medicine from your local Lloyd's Pharmacy because mm -hmm. feedback is from our patients is, is that there is a real um, uh, need to keep that local connection because pharmacy isn't e-commerce it's it's clinical care and being able to go somewhere and have a consultation and talk to someone about your meds is really really important so i'm hoping that that's the the the, the missing element of what we're doing um uh so uh, it's it's serious stuff but we're still a very very small fraction i think maybe a million of the 40 million odd nominations nationally so there's plenty of room for growth that's what I was going to say. I mean, as entrepreneurs, there's room for growth, and and also the the pharmacy model, the the, tra the traditional one has has been, it, you know, it hasn't changed much for, for for a number of years, and and what you're bringing is uh, uh, innovation. Um, but of course, medicines are important, very important to to people, and uh, maybe just that combination of online, offline. Maybe that's the winner. So one of the things about digital, coming back to, to the echo proposition, is that you can build people in with information and support and things like that. So, so do you feel that that is something that uh, echo can, can do better than the high street alternative, of course, that you can provide an ongoing journey? I mean, people live with their can. We live with our conditions every day, 24-7, and the technology can allow us to, to, to you know, to, technology recognize that. Uh, how, do you see, how do you see the uh, digital offering evolving? So it's interesting. There are things that technology can do really well, and then there's stuff that it just sucks at. So with the best will in the world, getting a flu jab through your phone is very difficult. It's very difficult. Um, I think a lot of healthcare is about care. It's about listening. It's about talking. It's about just being there. And technology can seem quite cold by contrast. And yeah. I say that as someone who lives with anxiety disorder, there are many, many things that Echo has been brilliant at for me, but sometimes just talking to my local pharmacist is, is, is essential. Yeah. So it's got to be a hybrid. I think what technology gives us is a platform to communicate and to manage um, data, to manage our, our conditions. So a good example of that is arming patients with information about what the medicine they're taking is, what it does, what the side mm -hmm. effects are, what happens if they miss a dose, what happens if they drink alcohol with it. Those are the little facts that are, are useful to have on you, which you may not always think to ask 
your uh, your pharmacist. Um, I think there are lots of ways to track conditions, whether it's deteriorating, getting better, and like to be frank, at Echo, all we do is 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 reminders and, and medicines alerts on this. There's a big big opportunity for us to expand and do more yeah. there. So the way I look at it is our strategy is twofold. One is get meds and the second yeah. is take meds. Yeah. So the get meds is the logistics play. It's about having a streamlined supply chain that links all the way to the patient's house that maximizes the, I guess, ease and convenience of physically getting your medicine because no amount of information or data will help you if you've run out of pills. I think the other side of it is take meds. So once the patient has the medicine, how do we nudge them towards better compliance or at the very least arm them with the right level of information and context so they know why they should take it or if they elect not to take it to know what the consequences are because there is a you know a strong um, sense of uh, empowering patients to make the decision rather than sitting passively and just taking whatever it's being prescribed. I think there is huge asymmetry between what the patient knows and what the doctor knows and the pharmacist knows. So anything we can do to shine a light and, and help patients will be better for them. They can make informed decisions. But all of that has to come wrapped in some form of, of human care. It's video consultation so just popping in for a chat um because as we know in healthcare loneliness is, is a huge contributor to a lot of our ills particularly with our older demographic yes so i guess our vision for echo really is about bringing those two things together bringing the lloyd's pharmacy and what they do with our technology and letting people pick and choose and it might be that for a certain time of your life getting medicines delivered makes perfect sense but something happens, circumstances change, it might make more sense to go into a Lloyd's pharmacy. And we don't want to stop people from doing that. I think the, the other important thing to say on this point, and, and something that we've learned over the last five years, is, um, is, is focus. There are so many things we could do, and there's so many bells and whistles and features, and goodness knows, the opportunities are there and the ideas are there, but it's really, really hard to do one thing right. So if I go back to my get med strategy, we're still working on that. We're still working on our supply chains. We're still working on procurement. We're still working on our warehouse and how it's set up and how to optimize things there. So as much as I have a long list of things I'd love to build, uh, we have to stay focused. Yeah. And that's where partnerships make sense. So for me, if I take a step back, there was a time when we planned to do it all. We were going to be my GP and Babylon and Accurix all rolled into one. You name it, we, 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 that, was, that was our plan. And as the years have gone by, we've just realized how hard it is to do things well. And so we focused. Uh, and the more we focus, the, the more opportunities we unlock and the more benefit i think we do uh to society as well so if all we do is get people their meds on time so they don't run out that's huge even before we look at the other um, opportunities to expand uh, and i and i can tell you i, I think we are maybe one percent done on that the, so staying on logistics innovation then <clears throat> 
Where are the drones? <laughs> Where are the robots, <laughs> Tobias? <laughs> so, I mean, you, know, you do you do read every maybe these are April Fool's uh, stories every single year, but it's every now and then it seems to be we are doing this trial about drone delivery or meds. It happens somewhere in the, around the world every couple of months. Is that is that a realistic? Do you know when I get my pizza delivered by drone, that's when I think meds will have a chance. Um, up until that, up until that point, um, we're going to um, stand back and wait and see. I think there is a fetishization of robots and automation and tech. Mm-hmm. And when we started, I had assumed that we would rush quite quickly into a world where we would have robots and picking machines. The the challenge is, is that they're not very flexible. So if you were to install a whole bunch of robots in our warehouses, their configurations would give us nowhere near the uh, ability to deal with the growth that we've had um, and, and to change. So there will become a point in time where investment in that makes sense. But we've grown from... Uh, Goodness, we've grown 400% this year. Yeah, focus is everything and rushing to automation for automation's sake doesn't make sense. Humans are incredibly flexible. Uh, They're incredibly innovative. And um, there is um, a a big human, agile human factor to what we do. Um, And responding to the growth and responding to the changes and figuring out better ways to do things that just dumping a robot in a warehouse won't help. But on the drones, as I said, when I get a pizza delivered, that's when we'll consider medicines. <laughs> I'm thinking, and we've had this discussion on, on the, on the podcast a few times now, this personalization of medicine and that you know, with these tools, you can, you can uh, bring in genetics and you can bring in side effects and you can start matching these things with a, with the medicines and the therapies that we prescribe. And uh, you can ideally say, well, actually for you, Stephen, medicine A is going to lead to this, but medicine C is going to be perfect uh, in a way that in potentially in a 15 minute physical appointment, you might not be able to do. So the, the whole personalization you know, opportunity seems something that tech could really help with. Yeah, it's the the opportunity is exciting. So, for instance, I have done twenty three and Me, which I'm sure you're familiar with. So, my mm. DNA is sequenced, and one of the reports says that I'm a super fast metabolizer of omeprazole. Um, that's information that I have. My doctor doesn't have. So, mm. should I be prescribed omeprazole later at life, uh, later in life, then? giving my doctor that piece of information will change dosage. Um, I think there's, there's lots of challenges to that though. One is how do you get that information to the doctor and how does the doctor then know that it's valid? I think the average consultation time is now at nine minutes. They don't really have a huge amount of opportunity to look at my self-generated reports so there is a signal to noise problem with a lot of this innovation and getting it into the system in a way that can be read and be acted on. And yeah. 
it's 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 happening. Uh, it's happening in some exciting ways. So there is a app that I worked on a few years ago called GDM Health for gestational diabetes management, and they have had huge success. So women with uh, gestational diabetes take their own blood readings every day. That gets fed into an algorithm, and if it's high or low, uh, nurse is alerted, and dosage change can be made to their medicines. And that's dynamic, it's smart, it's patient-focused, patient-led, and it means that these women don't have to go into hospital every week for a one-off blood test, mm. which you know tells you uh, one reading once a week and is uh, you know previously what has been used to manage, manage uh, dosing. So there is a huge amount of opportunity out here, but the system has to talk to um, all the different um, endpoints, and it doesn't currently. And I think there is a, a real need to focus on the boring infrastructure aspects. So example of that is we could, for instance, do DNA testing on ECHO and then give people this information and tell them about potentially interventions that need to be made. But really, do they care if they haven't got their medicine? <laughs> so for us, it's, it's, it's sort of a, the infrastructure has to come first. Yeah. Otherwise, we'll create these silos of innovation that will be very, very hard to, 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 to really, truly exploit. I think something like 23andMe, I, I don't know much about their business, but it's not, it's not mainstream and it's been around for years. Yeah. Uh, and I'm I'm not sure whether or not the, the my GP would really welcome getting that information. Oh, well, I know. I suppose the as patients or carers, all we really want is for the person who is in need of care to get the best treatment possible. So I suppose there's a, there's always going to be a fundamental underlying incentive to get it right, but. And yeah, I think we're all, all working in the same direction on that. But let me ask you this then, because of course the, you know, you, you do strike me and others as very uh, people, but uh, very humane. And so, we, as working in a in an environment which is about digitalization and about uh, how do you feel and how do you respond to the you know the effect that that Amazon has had on, uh, you know, travel agents, or not travel agents, but record stores. And, and do you, it, it, this debate is going on. And of course, we, we work around with the NHS around the country. And, and of course, pharmacies are, are the back, you know, part of the backbone of primary care. Um, how do you how do you see that going forward? Being a people person who, who doesn't want to um, impact, negatively impact the high street? Yeah. So I think I would start by saying I need community pharmacy personally. <laughs> so the, you know, very, very selfishly, I, I need that service to exist as a patient and as a dad. So that's kind of, I guess, the opening sort of statement from me. And if you go back to our very first pitch deck from Echo from 2015, you will see that our intention had always been to partner with community pharmacies. 
Um, we actually have a map of the UK where we thought we would have partner pharmacies in order to be able to provide that hybrid service. The sort of the, the tension though lies in the fact that pharmacy is under a huge amount of pressure because most of the money that goes to pharmacy comes from the NHS, from, from the government. So I think it's something in the region of 90% of pharmacy revenues comes directly from the NHS, and that is for dispensing medicines. So we have lots of highly skilled clinicians out there who are dispensing medicines when they could be put in far more value-add roles on the front line, helping patients, treating patients, making prescribing decisions, making interventions. And I think what we will see is a shift in roles towards more services, more care, uh, and dispensing will become more of a localized service, uh, so a centralized service. Uh, and, and I think we, we will see pharmacies moving more into the GP space, moving, doing more prim primary care, and, and COVID and the vaccination program is, is, is hopefully going to be a good example of that, where people look at the pharmacy through a different lens rather than this is where I just go and get my medicines to thinking, oh, wow, this is where I can go and speak to a healthcare professional face to face about any number of ailments. Because I don't think people know that they can do that. And they're talking to people who've trained for many, many years who sometimes know more about specific conditions than the doctors we see right? Because they have potentially more domain experience, more, more, more experience sort of dealing with the, the, the realities of conditions. So I, you know, as true as I get asked by, about drones every year, I get asked about Amazon every year. Yeah. And I think unless Amazon decides to start hiring clinicians and providing uh, these face-to-face -face community services, then it seems unlikely that they will really make a, a big headway within pharmacy. But uh, there is certainly a, a role for the, the automation because the margins have remained flat for many years now. And we have a perfect storm of flat margins plus an aging society and items per capita going up and up and up. So people still need their medicines, but there seemingly isn't enough money out there to, to pay for it. And that's a, that's a real challenge. So we have to find better ways to reduce costs in the system and redeploy the uh, pharmacy uh, teams into, into that caring role. That's interesting. So when your daughter grows up, you, you will, uh, being a pharmacist is part of, you, you won't discourage it. Absolutely not. I think pharmacists, honestly, like a good pharmacist, if you find one, I always say to patients, stay there, support them. If you've got a, a strong relationship with them because they, it's, it's care, it's, it's just different. Yeah. Um, however, there's such pressure on them and on us from a drug tariff perspective, which is how we get paid, yeah. and from a dispensing fee uh, perspective, that we're going to have to expand the role of what we do Yep. Be it flu vaccines, COVID, to primary care management. I would venture that my pharmacist could manage my antidepressant device mm -hmm. in quite a proactive way. 
Uh, I would also say that that could be managed through a hybrid of technology and face-to-face check-ins with them, which would significantly reduce system pressures, uh, provide a continuity of care that I'm not getting at the moment, and um, help that with that sort of transition of roles. So I do think the role of the pharmacist will will change significantly in the yeah. next five years. It sort of has to. So it's uh, no, so it sounds like it's a good to be a young pharmacist then who is you know who is keen on on caring and evolving the profession. Um, yes, and I mean there are a number of roles within GP practices now. So there has been a hiring spree, bringing pharmacists into the practice to manage prescriptions and medicine management, much the way that nurses uh, manage certain conditions. Uh, I, I would love to see that expanded. I would love to see more pharmacists become independent prescribers as well uh, because they spend a lot of years training. They have a lot of context. They know a hell of a lot about medicine and they can be doing far more value-added roles than simply dispensing medicines. Um, and, and there's a big, big opportunity and a big win for society if we can make that shift. Yeah, I mean, I, absolutely. I'm keen on on moving the subject on to entrepreneurship because I know that some of our listeners love those lo- those war stories more than anything else. So um, I'm going <laughs> to the interesting thing. So 2015, the start. Uh, one thing that I find incredibly, and this I don't may or may not surprise you, but of course we we work in the same ecosystems and as partners um i am frequently when talking to anything from investors to to other stakeholders in the marketplace about echo invariably <laughs> every single one says oh i know steven it's great guy fantastic guy top guy which is incredible so you have this this person who first knows everybody certainly before i know them and secondly everybody loves uh can you comment on that? How you become a successful entrepreneur with whilst being a nice guy? Uh, well, I'm not sure if I'm qualified for that, and I'm sure I could wrestle up a few people who would give you a different opinion, Tobias. Um, okay, let's just ignore them. I, I, <laughs> it's oh goodness, I don't know how to. I was at an event a few years ago, and someone came up to me and said. Oh, you're Stephen. So yeah. He says, you got to tell me, how did you crack the NHS? And I looked at them. Now, <laughs> and without, Tobias, without giving you uh, or your listeners any of the gory details, because they are gory, but I can tell you that morning, I had really hadn't cracked the NHS. <laughs> I was up to my eyeballs in administrative hell, dealing with a really, really tricky issue, which... I will probably come out in my memoirs, memoirs, or if I, you know, if I ever, <laughs> I basically I can't talk too much about it. But what I'm saying is, is that it's a lot of it's just perception, um, mm-hmm. and uh, Echo certainly hasn't cracked the NHS. Um, uh, I think the one thing that I've learned is is um, it's good to pay things forward and just help people, help people for the sake of it. So I yeah. love helping, I, I, and, and it's weird. It's it's not really because it's altruistic. I get a real just personal kick out of it. Like I get, I, I get uh, uh, when I do something for 
for no obvious payback, I, I get a, a weird buzz from it. And um, so we've, we've over the years, we, and, and it's not just me, it's, it's the team at Echo, we help other startups, we help competitors, we, <laughs> we help people where we can, uh, as long as they share the same vision as, as we do. Uh, and, and that's, you know, the reason we, 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 we get out of bed in the morning. Look, Tobias, we could have chosen much easier industries, right? Yes. I mean, healthcare is hard. It's really, really hard. And you have to care about something other than, you know, money and success in order to keep going. Because frankly, we could sell pizzas. Pizzas featuring a lot of my dialogue today. But we could, we, we could sell something else. We could work in a different industry. Healthcare is really, really hard. And, you know, just when you make a breakthrough, you get kicked out again. <laughs> keep going, keep going. So if you find other people who are doing their best, recognizing them, listening to them and, and helping them is, 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 it's just a great feeling. And I think that's something that I, I, I try, I try and do regardless of, um, of, no. of, of what the, what the payoff is. And you know, it, it, it comes back. Likewise, there's been some fantastic, uh, people who have helped, helped me along the way. I think, um, even during, during, um, the peak of COVID, being able to reach out to Mark Livingston at Pharmacy to You, yeah. and have and 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 Gary, uh, the COO there, uh, you know, and and have a chat and see how things are going and ask for advice, you know, that's just phenomenal. That shows you the type of guys that they are, um, mm-hmm. what's important to them, and that we're in this together. And 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 I think that's important, and it's probably unique to healthcare because, as you said right at the top of the. Um, of the podcast, Tobias, we're, we're doing this because we want pe- people to feel better. We all are ha- either patients or with people in our lives. And so that good transcends a lot of the noise that you might get if we were in the pizza selling business. Yeah. No, I, I think I get it. I think that your, your point about what you personally, A, you are somebody who cares a lot about the purpose of, of what we do. And the purpose of caring for people, and so I think that's something that is, uh, you know, a lot of people in the in our sector share. But the the paying forward bit, the fact that you do go out of your way to connect others for no obvious uh, gain, personal gain, I think it's it's something that really gets back, comes back to you. In the early days. Uh, did you have funding? This is something that everybody asks too. So how, when do you raise money for your, I mean, building a pharmacy is not cheap. An online one that has to scale, obviously take, it takes a significant investment. So how did you deal with, with uh, investing and investment uh, into that business? Well, <laughs> it was, it was tricky. First and foremost, we, weren't positioning ourselves as a pharmacy back then. So we, our, our intent was to just work with partners who would do the logistics and we'd be a software platform over the top. That's true. Yes. You were, weren't you embedded? Yes. Yeah. We, we, yeah, we were, remember we were that a now. partner pharmacy. Yeah. Um, there was a few challenges to that model though. I think the first challenge was margins and the lack of margin within the system. Um, and sh- sharing three pence between two people means <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> any any sign of profitability <laughs> evaporates. I think the second more, more important point, though, is around what pharmacies are set up to do. So most high street pharmacies of whom we were working with aren't built to dispatch thousands of thousands of items uh, every day in a uh, to be collected and sent via mail. They are built around patients coming in. You know, there's a store section yeah. and at the back there's a dispensary. So, so the partners we were we were working with just weren't built around that model of uh, dispensing that we needed, and so we ended up doing more and more. Uh, eventually becoming a pharmacy ourselves. So in terms of funding, we originally went out and we raised on the basis that we wouldn't own the pharmacy. There would be no sort of CapEx involved. Uh, We did a small seed round. And then, as I said, when when the reality hit of what we were doing and how important the get meds part of what we're doing is, we had to focus on on the logistics side of things. And today we very, very much are a pharmacy. Yeah, you really are. And then for continuing the journey into what eventually became Lloyd's Pharmacies, you know, uh, Echo by Lloyd's Pharmacy, how, how did that journey? Is and, and is this something we can learn? I left... Lloyd's Pharmacy to start Echo, so I'm a, bit of a, a boomerang or a bad smell. Um, they could live without you. <laughs> well, quite. Um, but I, I had uh, remained contacts there um, with uh, Gareth, who's leading on strategy for the business, and we'd stayed in touch over the years. And really, it was a case of right place, right time when we were going to do our Series B. It was a question of do we raise or do we um, do 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 we sell, and um, it was it was a tricky decision to make because you need so many different things to line up in terms of valuations, in terms of you know knowing that this is the right thing for the business. But there is one reality in what we do as a business, and and that is we buy drugs from wholesalers, and. Uh, McKesson, who owns Lloyd's Pharmacy, is a massive wholesaler through their arm AAH. And so if we had raised 10 or 20 million from venture capital or PE, a lot of that would have just gone straight back to McKesson anyway, in terms of buying drugs. Mm. Um, So there was an element of of that um, to, to really think through. I think the second thing is the distribution network. As I said before, we were always very keen to get into pharmacies and have that physical presence. And with over one hundred, or sorry, with over a thousand um, branches across England, Lloyd's gives us that immediate um, that immediate presence. Yeah. But um, it's yeah, it's it, it was an interesting time, and I'm glad we did it. I think it was the right choice. But uh, this was all before COVID as well, so it would have been interesting if we had gone another year and <laughs> seen, seen what happened yeah <laughs> no well there's the crystal ball i mean who would have thought that you oh, know, it, I, I tell you i wouldn't uh, I, I, w- I wouldn't swap the growth we've had for well you know it's it's it, i mean in some ways it's been great but 
it's taken its toll as well on us, on the business. And I think lockdown as well on, on the mental health of the team. It's, it's, it's been a really, really tough year. Yeah. And, um, you know, for all of the growth and, you know, the, the, the positive signs around that, I would much prefer be able to see my parents who yeah. are in Ireland and I haven't seen for 12 months. Mm-hmm. So I, it's, uh, it's been a tough year to buy us. And I'm sure for you guys, it's been, it's been similar. It, it has been, it has been tough, but I think some, what we do, we do talk about it every week actually, but it is true that some, some are, are uh, more suited for this uh, solitary or small, small footprint lifestyle than others. Yeah. Um, but you know, it, it, it is tough. It is tough. And, and, and of course it is something that I think few people knew how they would react so it's not so much. So it's not only the fact that it's different. It's just that something. It, it 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 was just hard to predict how how people would react and how we were all behave in this sort of situation. But I think broadly speaking, people, and certainly the iPlato team, are just pulling pulling together and and just trying to do the best they can. And and I think that's shared across the board. Yeah, the good news, I think, working in healthcare is that we do have a purpose. Um, yeah, and yeah, our purpose making a difference, and our purpose is directly linked yeah. to to the current crisis as well. So it it feels like we're at the right place, really, and that I think holds a lot of people together. This idea that you know we're doing something to to help, and we're just not just furloughed, sitting and waiting for the crisis to or for the for the vaccine to arrive. Absolutely, I think one thing that's definitely true though is the adrenaline that we had in that first lockdown mm. that eventually wore off it's unsustainable of course but when, when that when that wears off you can't keep working at that pace you can't no. keep shipping stuff that's that's when things get tricky and um yeah it's 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 something i worry about a lot is uh, is, is is how we how we look after ourselves uh, and how we look after our teams because if we don't then we can't really look after our patients no, no, of course, it, it's it goes without saying. So that's wise words there. Um, since we are, we have a few moments over the the, um, and I'm keen on on, on holding back because you're uh, not only people come up to you at conferences and say that you've cracked the NHS when <laughs> when you clearly feel that you haven't. Uh, any any. Uh, ideas for those who sit there at end of university and thinking wow running running uh, a business because this is not even your first you've been in in startups before right before well i was in uh, in lloyd's i was involved in what was looked like a startup the online doctor side side of things Mm -hmm. um and um i i learned a lot of valuable lessons there so i think uh, you know if if I have any advice to give, it's it's just to do it, mm. but to go in with your eyes wide open. Healthcare is is hard. It requires a lot of tenacity. It requires a lot of um, positivity. There, <laughs> <laughs> I say, um, yeah. you will come up against irrational and contradictory legislation rules you will come up against vested interests you will come up against 
um, quite frankly, some of the the craziest contract terms, and yes. they won't make any sense. And there is no point in whinging about it. Um, mm. That's that's just what you need to get on and try and tackle, um, and and keep going. Um, I think there is a huge opportunity for innovators and particularly those who can empathize with what patients want to need. I think one of the big challenges with, you know, kids coming out of university or business school or med, med, med school is, is that they're young. They're not patients themselves. They're, you know, at the peak of health. Mm. And so they will design things uh, through sort of secondhand information through the experience of a loved one or patients that they've dealt with as opposed to designing it for themselves. So I think it's really important to try and internalize what your patients are feeling and doing if you're building a patient-facing service, um, particularly if you're lucky enough to be healthy. Uh, but there's also a big opportunity because people uh, in their 20s aren't ill, they're not looking at healthcare. You know, there's, it's, it's no surprise that there are so many dating apps out there and, you know, f funding for, for that. Uh, and uh, there isn't, you know, a huge amount of high quality healthcare apps. So there's a big opportunity there if you can internalize what the patient wants if you're not a patient and, and get going and start building up the experiences. Do you think, in terms of skill base, do you think of the three, if you have, if you're a business graduate, if you're a clinician, uh, or if you're a techie, who do you think is the most suited for doing your role, or do you have to be all of it and more? I think whoever is the best people person, ultimately, mm -hmm. People is, 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 you know, when we, when we're asked and I'm sure you're asked all the time, what is your unique competitive advantage? And you know, what, what blah, blah, blah do you have? And you're always trying to do these competitor maps and, you know, we do this and they don't do that. And you're always in the top right-hand quadrant and everyone else is in the bottom left. I mean, for me, the only difference really is the people and the people you attract, the people you inspire, and then the people who, 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 who stay and, and, and help you build things because you can't do it on your own. You will not scale. You're one person. You can work 20 hours a day, sleep for four, and it still won't, <laughs> still won't touch the size of a team of three. So um, I think really managing, working with people, finding ways to scale is, um, is, is the most important quality for founders. Uh, it's not something we're traditionally very good at either. Ironically, I think we're good at the inspiration bit, but we <laughs> tend to be micromanagers. We tend to be perfectionists. We tend to uh, be fire starters. And so you need calm, you need focus, and you need gravitas, which is, is really, really important. And, and something that, you know, frankly, there's elements of that that I simply don't have. So at Echo, we have a CEO, Benoit, who was employee number nine, who rose up through our data team uh, and is now running the business. And he is a very, very different character to me. 
uh, and I believe he is the sort of character, the sort of the temperament to lead uh, the scale-up phase of what we're doing. And and that's you know c- certainly he's you know he's second to none with the numbers. He knows them inside out. Um, but really, it's his 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 people skills that have come to the fore more than anything else. It's true that 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 is uh, it's a gem, right? In the in the data team as well. So. <laughs> Yeah, well, I, I, I would, I would, if I was being cynical, I'd say whoever's close to numbers and holds the money, um, that's that tends to be quite an important thing as well. Um, knowing knowing how much you've got on the bank every day, where you can spend it, and keeping an eye on all the costs and controls yeah. that gives you a a lot of authority in a business. So, um, perhaps perhaps the business person may have the edge there, but really, it's 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 about influencing people and getting people excited to share in uh you know a, a vision that you 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 mold together i mean echo what is a founder i it's uh, really the business that we have today bears no relation to where we were five years ago you know it's entirely different in a, a billion different ways so uh, as much as i like the title founder you can feel like it's uh, you know what does it mean anymore uh, if, I was, if I was the, the guy who was able to Google company's house and exactly. said, uh, <laughs> who registered yeah. the trademark, yeah. it, it, it takes on a life of its own. And um, whether whether I'm here or not, the medicines will still go out the door to buy us. Well, the t- time has flown, and it, it, I think we might have to do another podcast some other time uh, because, you know, I, I think one of the one of the good guys in health tech. Uh, I really enjoyed talking to you. Do you want to quickly, for those of you who, uh, those who are interested in Echo, uh, in in you, do you have any uh, contact details or anything where, where people yeah, can certainly. can find you? So the best way to contact me if you're a entrepreneur in health tech uh, and you want to, I don't know, sh- share share some more stories. Uh, the best way to get me is on LinkedIn. So Stephen Burke, um, you'll find me on there. And I'm very, very receptive to other entrepreneurs, anyone working in healthcare, really. Um, as long as you're not trying to sell me real estate, uh, happy, to, happy to connect. That's great. Thank you so much, Steve. Thank Stephen. you for having me. It would me. be fantastic. Yeah. Cheers. Thank you. If you want to stay in contact with us, we are everywhere on social media. You can find us on Facebook by searching MyGP. You can find us on Twitter by searching at MyGP app. And on Instagram, and our name on Instagram is at MyGP underscore app.